Well, this morning we are so blessed and uh, we have just are thankful for the way things are and this morning it is good to see each of you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but go ahead and get you there. Colossians chapter 3. Now my question is, Preston had a question, I've got a question. What does a Christian look like? What does a Christian look like? Now as you're thinking about that question this morning, because the way we're made, the way that we were brought up, the, 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 the heritage, the, some of us have been brought up in church from day one, some are new to church, so all that has different reflection or different thoughts upon what does a Christian look like? Now for some, a Christian, go back with me now. Some of you remember shows or movies of a monk in a brown robe with something gold around his collar, no hair up here, okay, hands folded, looking down. That's what a Christian looks like. Let me ask you, if a Christian looking like that showed up at your work tomorrow or Tuesday, what would your reaction be? You think, that's what a Christian is? Uh, You know, some would be making fun of that person and others wouldn't know what to do. Others think, well, a Christian is somebody that, well, they sit in church every Sunday and don't say a word. Other people would say, well, a Christian is someone who looks good. You know, as as we think about the characteristics of a Christian, sometimes our thoughts of, well, a Christian is someone who can sit in church and not fall asleep, but stay awake through one of Brother Frank's sermons. (laughs) Or a Christian is someone who can come to church three weeks in a row and not miss. Then they're a Christian. What makes a Christian... As we think of the characteristics, I know in your minds different thoughts are coming. And some of them is based upon what maybe we think a Christian looks like. But what does the Bible say? What should a Christian look like? Or better yet, what are the characteristics of a Christian? And it's best always to go back to God's word, isn't it? What does God's word tell us of some of the characteristics of a Christian? Now, I know some people say, well, you know, a Christian is a true Baptist. What does that mean? Does that mean you know where the convention headquarters are in Nashville? Does that mean you have this emblem tattooed to your chest? What's that? Nothing. Okay. Characteristics of a Christian. Paul here in the book in, 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 in the book of Colossians is, is letting know these early Christians 
He said, there are things in your life you need to get rid of because of the relationship with Christ. Because of that new relationship in Christ, he said, there are certain things you need to get rid of. But then he was telling them that there are certain things you need to put on. And as we look at those things that we should put on, it gives us the characteristics of what a Christian looks like. So take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3 and go down to verse 8. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. It says, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ, it is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, Barbarians, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as Christ's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, So you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing and one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, and word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, keep your, your hand there, your, your Bible's open to that passage. But as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, looking at the characteristics of a Christian, As we've read that, it has nothing to do with what? Appearance, does it? It has nothing to do with appearance, but it has a lot to do with what's inside. Now, I want you to look around at your neighbors. Look around at your neighbors this morning. Okay, you you got a good glimpse? Okay, at your neighbors? Do they look like you? One of them does? Okay, one of them does. <laughs> you got me on that one. You got me on that one. But as we look around, there's different characteristics, outside characteristics. Now, some of them, like Paul said, some of us could go around and say, well, that's so-and-so's son, or that's so-and-so's daughter. I mean, it's just, it's just what? It's just made all over them. But what about what's on the inside? You see, sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on the outside. Guys, where is Christ looking? 
And he's showing us the importance. There are things within us that we should have in our lives. And, and, and it's not one of those things. I know in today's society, you take one pill and it solves everything. I don't care how much fish oil Daryl takes. It's not going to solve everything. You didn't know that, Daryl. Oh, okay, okay. You know, a lot of times we, we look at that patience and kindness but you see, these are things that go on in the inside. And so this morning, as we look at this together, he first, Paul says to, to the early believers in Colossae, he said, there's some things you need to put off. There's some things you need to get rid of. And that's where he's talking about the anger and the wrath and the malice and the slander and the filthy language. Anger. I know people said, Peter, I just was born. I just have this angry streak. I know our little little one was telling us about the superpowers. But, you know, we have a lot of people today say, Preacher, there's aliens. Let me tell you, when you allow that anger to go in your life, it is like an alien going through your body and taking control. And, guys, it's, it's just no good. Anger is something that we need to pray, Dear God, help me shed that anger. It will never help you. It will never bring you closer to God. Anger is something that is so divisive. That's why Satan continues to fuel anger within people. Here Paul is telling these early believers, Look, don't let that anger stay within you. It's not worth it. It's not doing you any good. He said, get rid of it. He mentions wrath, malice. And I know in different translations it has different words, but it's all the same. But it also says filthy language. Can some of you remember the days? Can some of you remember the days when you were small and you said a bad word? And your mom took a bar of soap and ran it down your mouth. All right? First service, I had more people with bars of soap. Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of the kids go, what? Well, in that day, in, 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 for a lot of moms who heard their sweet, innocent child say this word, it's like, I'm going to clean them. Or I'm going to, you know, get them to understand. Now, what does filthy language do? for us. You know, sometimes we use filthy language maybe for approval. We use filthy language because, well, that's just how I feel. Is it really? Filthy language, again, the moment you allow it in your mouth, the bitterness and and what it does to you and, and, and also realize what it does to your body. You say, preacher, what? Well, I, I can't think of some gross food that you would eat, but have you ever eaten something and it was just so bad, you, you didn't even want it to stay in your mouth. You, you immediately, boom, it's gone. But when we allow filthy language into our, 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 our bodies, we, we, that bitter, that horrible taste, and then we keep it, and, and it's like it just comes into our, our being, and, and it's not supposed to be there. 
Now, I know sometimes, and maybe this is biased, maybe this is sexist, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, sometimes I've seen, you know, sometimes young men, they'll cuss. And we say, well, that's just young men. Well, that's wrong. But when we see young, pretty, young lady cuss, we just look like, why is she doing that? She has beauty. She has intelligence. She has all of this. And then she's taking something that is filthy. And it's just, it's just degrading her. And that's what it does to men too. Men think, oh, well, that, that shows my place. Yeah, it shows your place, all right. But it's not where you think it is. This morning, we need to see that there are certain things that we need to take off. And filthy language is one of those. Anger is one of those. Slander against our brother when we know it's not true. Well, I'm getting even. Uh, You need to look at the second part of this verse. You see, there are certain things that we need to take off. We also need to see as we look at those things, getting along with others. Look at verse 11 of chapter 3. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barian, barian, (laughs) barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, in any gathering, in any gathering, there are going to be different types of people. You know that? Yeah, there are going to be different types of people. If you go to LaBelle High School on a given day and you say, oh, there's different types of people. A lot of times we just don't want to learn that, but we need to see the importance of getting along with others. And because people are different, and this day it was like, well, he's a great, they're Greek and they're, they're Jew and, you know, this one's a slave and this one's free. And what do we start doing? We're putting labels. Oh, they're this and they're that and they're this and they're that. Hold on. Paul is reminding us, be careful of that. Because what? All of these people can be children of God. And if they're children of God, all of those other labels mean nothing. What are those labels? They're man-made. Those labels are what we put on people. What does Christ put on people? He puts his love down upon them and accepts them. No matter if they're red, yellow, black, or white, he accepts them as his child. And if he accepts them, what should we do? We need to proclaim and we need to say, I loved you, my brother, my sister, in the Lord. You see, this morning, there's certain things we need to put, put off. But then there's also things we need to put on. And it begins, look at verse 10. In verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, And having put on the new self, that is talking about when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our life has been changed. We're no longer of the old life. We are of the new life. And you being, what? Renewed in knowledge according to the image of Of your creator. Guys. Let's not forget this. When we come to that relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to give us direct connection. To renew our knowledge. To give us 
according to the image of our creator. He is going to give us. Just like when God sent his son to this earth, he Christ preached and he was trying to show them about his father. We need to see about Jesus and what he has done for us. And the new man, the image of God, the knowledge that he wants to give us. Are we ready for some new knowledge? You see, Christ wants to fill us with that knowledge. He wants to give us that true and wonderful place with him and give us that opportunity to receive information that will be beneficial. Information and knowledge and love that will help us in the rest of our life to develop the way that we should. The new man in the image of God. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones. You see, God chosen ones. Holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Or patient, patience. Now, look at that. Put on compassion. I'm thinking about that. How do you put on compassion and kindness? You ever put a garment, a shirt, a robe, and you're putting it on and I know some of us look kind of spastic when we're doing it, but we're getting it on, and sometimes we get it on, we got to pull it down in the back, and sometimes we got to pull it in the front, and, and then we say, oh, that feels pretty good. Or some of us, we get it on, but man, this, this just don't fit. And then you realize it's, I was going to say something, but I better not. How do we put on kindness? Again, we can't take that one pill and say, okay, I took my kindness pill. I'm ready. That won't last, really. And there's no such thing. And again, I'm going to put on kindness. You see, what what Paul was telling them, he said, we need to put on that new man only through Christ. And then that tender heart. To develop that tender heart, to have kindness and, and, and these things. And how do, how do we put them on? You know, we all are different shapes and sizes as individuals. We're all different shapes and sizes. What might fit me won't fit Preston. He could wrap it around him a couple times, but it won't fit him. You see, God. In his infinite infinite wisdom through his son. Has designed it to fit you perfectly. He knows the amount and the size and the fit of the kindness that you need to develop in your life. He knows how to do it. He knows how to come and, and we shouldn't fight him. As Brother Preston was asking the little kids about humility. It's something for all of us to think about. Gentleness, patience. How we need to allow God to work and to put these things on in our life. To use them, they've got to become us. In other words, we've got to allow it to fit us. We have to feel it. We have to use it. We have to, to say, hey, I'm not just wearing this. It's in me. And oh, how. Your life will change. 
So there's things we need to put off, and there's, there's things that we need to put on. Now, let me just share two other things. There's some things we need to let in. This morning we sang, It is well with my soul. I don't know if you know the background of that. Oops, sorry. I don't know if you know the background of that song. And I can't remember all of it off the top of my head. I should. But, but again, the, the individual that wrote that, if I can remember enough of it, is that their loved ones had died on a ship that was coming across the ocean. And when that loved one finally got to the spot in another ship to where their loved ones died, the words of this song was developed. Of the tragedy he sang or wrote, it is well. It is well. You know, to understand that song, I believe one of the things we've got to let in your life, my life, is the peace of God. God's peace. Now, has it been a little difficult this week to find the peace of God? We've had news channels, news every 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 seconds. We've had emails. We've had phone calls. We've had our phones blowing up telling us about this storm. And to be honest, when we hear all that, we, i got to get this, and i got to get that, and i got... And, and, and let's be honest, the last thing we were thinking about is the peace of God. This morning, with a little hindsight, and because the first forecast was we wasn't even supposed to be here today. He was supposed to hit today, here. But what about in life? In life, sometimes there's a lot of uneasiness in there. There's always, if it's not the storm, it's something else. Maybe it's not this physical storm. Maybe it's a storm that you and I are going through in our lives. But we need to see that when the storms hit, always seek the peace of God. Because isn't it amazing how God can bring peace even in the midst of a storm? But you see, it's hard for us because we get wrapped up in all of the uneasiness. We think, I've got to get this and I've got to get that. And we just need to stop and say, Lord, you have stopped storms before. I need to experience your peace even in this storm. And you know what? I have talked to people who are sitting in ICUs and their loved ones They don't know if they're going to make it. But they said, preacher, I prayed and God has given me peace. No matter what happens, God has given me peace. Guys, in our life, there will always be storms. Oh, there might be moments that we're not, but there'll be a lot of moments that we are. And even in those storms, let's pray, God, I need your peace in my life. And you see, when we allow the peace of God in our lives, we'll act different. We'll do things different. When we keep the mind in, in, in checked in the sense that we say, Hey, Lord, I trust in you. Even if this storm comes, I still trust in you. 
You see, when we do that, when we let the peace of God in, it starts changing us. The second thing, and we know this, is that we need to let the Word of God in. The Word of God. One of the most valuable resources we have today. But how we need to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly... I'm reminded how the word of God is sharper than any sword. It's like a double-edged sword. It can cut through anything that this world could come up. You see, we need to let the peace of God to flow upon us. We need to let the word of God give us the encouragement and give us something to stand on. Can we stand upon our Lord Jesus Christ? Most definitely. Has he told us what he's going to do? Yes, he has. We don't need to let our hearts trouble. We need to believe in him. And so there's also, as we let these things in our life, we also need to let out, in the sense, not getting rid of, but our loyalty. Who are we loyal to? In verse 17 of of what our passage this morning says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. We need to be loyal. Now you think about it. Some of you sitting here and you're nine years old. Some of you are sitting here and you're 11 years old. Some of you wishing you were 11. Some of you are sitting here in your 20s, and some of you are here in your 30s and 40s and 50s and on up. Some of you have known God maybe a short period of time. Maybe some of you have known God a long, because you have been blessed, and you've known God a long time. Is God someone you can trust in? I'm sure you've learned that. God is someone you can trust in. He will not let you down. He will be with you. He will stand with you. And this morning, we need to see that I should be loyal to God. Some of us living in Florida, living in Louisiana, we know that living in those two states, hurricanes, is something we're going to face. But we don't have blizzards. Blizzards, that snowy stuff. You know, we don't have some of that other stuff they have up north. We wouldn't know what to do with a blizzard down here, would we? Now, we wish we didn't know what to do with a hurricane, but we do. We do know what to do. We know how to prepare. Let's make sure we stay loyal to the Lord. Let's not give him up in a crisis. That we stay loyal to him. And then... Also, in this passage in verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Do it from the heart. You know, this heart, the heart of a child of God, means something. And we do it from the heart. It touches people. I was watching the news this morning, and there was a story about a young, one of the channels was 
doing their best to put positive stories on this morning. <laughs> they put a story about, I think it was an 11-year-old boy. He didn't have a lot. But he just felt a need to help other people. And so he made it known that, especially senior adults, he said, I'll help you in any way. And this is an 11-year-old boy. He wasn't very big. And his first call was a, a, a senior adult. They, they had limbs in their yard. And there he was out there pulling. Some of those limbs were almost bigger than him. But he was out there and he moved them. Got them to where they needed to be. Another one wanted him to cut the grass. And he wasn't doing it for money. He was just that, I want to help other people. The lawnmower almost looked bigger than him. I mean, it was a push mower. What, you know, get on there and, you know, air condition blowing and all that. You know, he, he, he was pushing this push mower that, again, looked bigger than him. And again, he wasn't doing it for money. And when they tried to pay him, he said, no, I think everyone should be helping others. But what it was showing, it was showing something about the young boy's heart of caring enough to helping others. And, and, and that is something that, that in our Christian character, to be loyal to God and, and to have that heart that we would want to do something unto the Lord. And then most importantly, in verse 17, it says, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving Thanks to God the Father through him. As this morning, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. There's a picture I saw on Facebook, and there's, <laughs> there's been so many things, but and you maybe saw it. It was someone's drawing. You could tell. They just took a piece of paper and a pencil, and they drew the state of Florida, and they drew the storm, and in between us and the storm, was a hand, and they put the hand of God. Now, if we're spared from this storm, we need to be thankful. But is that the only thing we need to be thankful about? You know, this morning in the first service, we had a great crowd in the first service, and we had a lot of little ones in the first service, and they were joyful. They were making... A good bit of noise, if you put it that way. But you know, as I heard that, Preston, as I heard the different noise, to me it was like, and I mean this with all sincerity, it was like birds chirping. It was happiness. It was a joy. Some of the little kids, yeah, they, they came up here and they went back there. They were exploring, but they were happy. And I know moms were a little nervous, but I heard it as chirps and sounds that remind me of a, of a field and, and the flowers and the butterflies. I know you're thinking, well, he's gone off the deep end. But, but think of the blessing. And this morning, as I look at around and the children that we have and, and even the adults, we have been blessed beyond measure, haven't we? And oh, one of the characteristics of a child of God is one who is willing to say, thank you, Lord. And I think that is something we always should do. Even in the tough times, even in the storms. Say, Lord, thank you. This morning, I hope that that helps us with a better picture of what a Christian looks like. 
not always on the outside. It's what we take out and what we put in and allow Christ to do a mighty work in our life. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for how you have blessed us. Lord, we don't understand why the storm is moving in a certain direction. But Lord, we have to give you praise and thanks. And at the same time, Lord, pray for our brothers and sisters that are in the path. Be ready to help in any way that we can. Lord, we also this morning want to develop that, that Christ-like, that Christian characteristic in our life, Lord. When people look at us, Lord, we want them to see you in all that we do. Lord, we thank you in your son's name.